Do you suspect or even know if your teenager is using drugs? Do you struggle with figuring out what to do next? Do you feel overwhelmed, scared, or angry? Well, you are not alone. This is the Teen Drug Abuse Podcast, where we explore all the signs of teen drug abuse, reveal science-based impact, and share potential solutions that might just be the next thing you need to try. Here's your host, Zeev Raviv. Hello and welcome to the Teen Drug Abuse Podcast. Today we have a guest. He's Patrick Doyle, a clinical social worker that is also a family coach specializing in helping families get their loved ones uh, get into and through addiction and recovery. All the way from Boston. Hello, Patrick Doyle. How are you? Hello, Ziv. I am doing terrific. How are you doing today? Good. It's a pleasure to meet you because you help people with such a hard situation, which is What do you do when your kid doesn't actually want to admit that they have a problem, doesn't really see that as a problem? Maybe they're even in a serious problem, but they just don't want to talk about it or get help. And that's actually something that you've been helping parents and families with for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I look at my entire career, I've been a clinical social worker for 30 years plus, always working with families and with also with individual persons with addiction. And now I've found a way to, by focusing on outreach to the family, I can educate them and train them on how they can positively influence their teen to cooperate with house rules, to start looking at a drug use problem more seriously, and even to enter into treatment. So before we go into the details of your system and tools and and advice, I want to ask you, who should not see themselves as as qualified for this type of intervention? Like who should say to themselves, well, actually, it's not that bad. Thank you. That's a great question. If you are a family that has already found success in using different approaches, for example, the intervention approach. Johnson intervention model is something that is more, it's more pushy, it's more aggressive, and it's more, I mean, it could be called coercive, manipulative. And sometimes that kind of approach it will work and will bring a person into treatment. And sometimes that a person may benefit from that. Well, but I am, my niche is for families who have already tried traditional methods for example, the intervention, you might have seen the A&E intervention program. It's the kind of approach that is commonly depicted in the media. So basically, tough love, letting people hit rock bottom, consequences, kicking teens out of the house. And sometimes that approach does work. But my families are the ones who have already tried that. And they're finding that it either doesn't work or they're feeling really uncomfortable. For example, if they've got a teen who they have told the teen they cannot live in their home anymore, They, if they're concerned about what's happening to that teen while the teen is out on the street, those are the people that I can help uh, as my approach is, is much different than that. And for people for whom the traditional methods have not worked, I'm a great second bet to try. Would you say that this is uh, something that people should also consider like if they do not resonate with some of the traditional approaches as well? Or is it more like 
only after someone tried at least one approach? It could be either way. Now, the traditional approach is the one that you will see in the media. It's oftentimes the one that physicians will recommend, educators, your school system, the police, the tra- our traditional systems, any type of healthcare, any aspect of healthcare, they will go with the traditional with like 12 step and you've got to confront people and you've got to be tough with people. So that's what people will get. They'll get that kind of messaging all the time. We grow up with, with that kind of messaging. If you look at the way that we think about people with addiction, well, terms like junkie, alky, alcoholic, even drunk, general, and even the term substance abuse, very derogatory, negative type of terms. And that's, at least in America, that's the American culture. That's, it get, becomes ingrained in us. So that's what people will most often get initially. But they may choose that they don't feel comfortable. For A big thing now is, do I put my child out of the home or not? Especially during the COVID pandemic, when the risks just rose dramatically if somebody was did not have a safe home. So more and more people now, especially with the pandemic, they are hearing about different options, alternatives, and they are drawn to this kindness and compassion and demonstrating understanding to their child and keeping lines of communication open. So for a lot of people, it's an automatic, they love it, and they feel better about it, and they practice, they get some assistance, some support, maybe some coaching, and they get really good results very quickly. It's very interesting how sometimes the way we call our problems matters, and they are a reflection of how we grew up and what society uh, tells us to think. In, in the UK, they use the term substance misuse, which is a very delicate term. And even uh, in this podcast, when we chose teen drug abuse, we had thought about it a lot and felt like, should we use the word addiction? Should we not? And it was a real dilemma. We wanted to kind of turn towards a lot of types of families and help them. But uh, your approach sounds uh, like different, more understanding. It sounds like you help people kind of create boundaries with their kids without really taking uh, them out, throwing them out to the streets. And you've seen it uh, get significant success. So tell us a little bit about what is the underlying principles of your system and so that people could understand how different it is. Sure. Now, it's, it's based on positive reinforcement. And we've known through psychological research like behaviorism, We've known that positive reinforcement, basically giving someone praise for a positive, healthy behavior that they're engaging in, is the most powerful type of reinforcer in existence. So we've got positive reinforcers, which could be, I'm going to give you your allowance if you come home by nine o'clock at night each night. That's a positive reinforcer. The child gets money when they come home at nine o'clock, which results in them more likely to come home nine o'clock the next night, next night, because they're going to get more money. We also have negative reinforcement, which is what the traditional system is usually on. All you get is punishment, punishment, punishment. You take things away. So, okay, you're grounded. I'm taking your mobile phone. You don't, you can't go out with friends. You have to do this. So we just take things away from people. What we've 
the research has shown is that giving people gives them a reward, gives them an incentive to do the right thing. And as we know, teenagers especially are impulsive. They have short attention spans. They don't know how to delay gratification, right? All teenagers are like that. It's, it's part of being that maturity level. So giving them positive rewards will really work quite effectively, much more than punishment and taking things away. You know, you were describing all teenagers and I thought you were talking about my girl. <laughs> <laughs> and mine, my son and my daughter. <laughs> yeah. So it happens that uh, they're all uh, impulsive and, and they all are yeah, young and adventurous and sometimes quick to, to try new things. So let's, I understand that there's power in positive reinforcement, but I'm afraid that maybe I'm going to need to negotiate a lot and negotiating everything with an impulsive kid can be very tiring. What would you yes. say to that? What I would say to that is, if you want a quick and easy approach that doesn't require you as a parent to learn or to change, my approach is not for you. <laughs> Because as you, you're a life coach yourself, Ziv, we know coaching works with people who want to change. They can't be blaming other systems or boss or spouse or child. They have to look at themselves to see what they can change. So that's what it's based on. And so it does involve some work because it, it, yet I look at it as part of just really good parenting when we think about it. So we've got 16 year old kids, the older they grow, they're going to have more challenges in life. And sometimes they're more higher stakes in life as well. Do I get married to this person? Do I move to this country? Do I take this job? Do I go to university or do I get a trade? So the stakes just kind of raise. So this is a great way to set the foundation for maintaining loving relationships with your child that you will want to work on because they're so darn rewarding because you get that open communication. And especially when your child encounters a problem or difficulty in life at any age, you want them to reach out to you. You want them to feel like they can go to you even when they think that they have screwed up. Right. So it's something that it's that's the fascinating part of this approach. You're developing that relationship, which will continue into adulthood and you will want to do it because you see the results. You feel the closeness with your child as opposed to the tension that you used to feel with your child and the worry and the sick feeling in the stomach, wondering when are they going to come home, if they're going to come home, you know. So let's talk about the details a little bit, because this is very interesting. What type of rewards can you give to a teen? Allowance is a big one. Money is perhaps the most recognizable positive reinforcer of them all, no matter what age we are. So money is a big one. Having access to a mobile phone, having free time, being able to go out of the house, being able to go out with their friends under certain circumstances, in safe kinds of ways. And as you know, Ziv, a teenager is always looking, they want to be social, they want to get out of the house, they want to be around their own peers. They get kind of tired of their parents, right? So they're looking for that freedom. They want to be able to date. They want to be able to pursue interests. And so as parents, we actually can 
when we develop this type of relationship, we can negotiate. And then when the child has not followed the rules, it gives us another opportunity to discuss that with the child and look at, well, what do you think went wrong with that? What happened? Okay, so you came home an hour and a half late beyond your curfew. And you look at, you know, what happened? Oh, I didn't know what time it was. Oh, you didn't have your phone. No, I didn't have my phone. I lost track. So then you can get into problem solving kind of approaches. How can you make sure that you are keeping track of things? So there's, and I mean, children want to go on vacations. They want to, they also want to love their parents, although it may not seem like it at times. But you, if you've ever been in a a family or a household where there was a lot of chronic tension, which is pretty much how I grew up as a child myself. Once, If you can ease out that tension and have more comfortable dynamics in the home, more com- have it be a safe space, it's so much better. And children really respond to that. They might not say it much, but they want to be close with their parents. They also want independence. What would you say to a parent that's, that is uh, concerned about the allowance a bit because they know that their kid is going to use the money to buy drugs. And drugs are actually not cheap sometimes for a kid, depending right. on their access to money. And if they also maybe work or something of that sort, but or do anything else to get money. Like, uh, But as a parent that already knows that they're using the money to get more drugs, what would you tell them when they uh, raise this concern? That's a tough question. And there's a fine balance. You want to establish some accountability with your child. You make it clear of, okay, so what are the okay things to spend this money on? Food, going to a movie, that kind of thing, that would be okay. Not okay, substances, alcohol, drugs, anything like that would lead be involved with a criminal type of behavior. That's not okay. So you, you set a clear boundary there, and then you negotiate a plan I mean, it could be as simple as, so how much money do you think that you need on a weekly basis? Tell me what you need it for. And as long as it sounds reasonable, then you've got a plan in place. Now, if you find your child is coming to you too soon for 10 times the amount, that's when you have another discussion. And you then and the child might not tell you if they need it for drugs, they might not tell you that. They probably won't. But if you're not hearing something reasonable to spend that money on, then in a way, you kind of owe it to your child to, as a way of helping them learn how to budget and how to manage money effectively. You really do owe it to them to say, that doesn't make sense to me, so I can't support you on that. But is there anything else I can do? So again, it's a balance where you want to let them have freedom enough so that they do make their own mistakes, but you also want to practice what you might call harm reduction, where you you want the mistakes, the consequences won't be severe, won't be dangerous or life-threatening or, you know, really difficult. One of the rewards you mentioned was uh, phone time. And a lot of the yes. kids, they raise up with their phones, they a big part of their social circle to talk with each other through DMs of all sorts of apps and whatnot. And like, how do you actually establish the phone as, as currency when, from their standpoint, the fact that you take their phone is already a punishment and not a system for reward? That's 
complicated. It's a challenge, right? I mean, and we've seen we're raising a generation of children who have amazing technology far beyond what I grew up with, for sure. And we had pay phones back in my day, right? <laughs> you needed a dime. So the technology that children are exposed to now is just, it's unbelievable. It's just fantastical. So that's going to present a challenge automatically. So the approach, as with any particular aspect of child rearing, is to have a discussion with our child and say, I mean, basically, I want you to have friends. I want you to be able to communicate with them. I want you to have a life. I want you to be happy. I want you to be able to listen to your music, etc. I want you to be able to take videos and take photos. And I also know that there can be dangers out on the internet. There are people who would take advantage of other people on the internet. So with you at this age, I need to protect you as your parent and make sure that you're interacting with the internet, with social media in a safe kind of way. So for now, this is how we're going to do this. And this is the kind of freedom that I can support you with, with the idea that as you advance and as you show that you are learning, gaining maturity, there will be less restrictions, less rules, and you'll have more freedom. And it's something that is, as you know, Ziv, to be a great parent involves a lot of work, a lot of effort, and a lot of of difficult conversations from time to time. And so that's what, and most parents get that, and most parents want to do that. So that's what it involves. We just keep working. All the time, we are treating them with respect. We are, when we ask them to explain something, we are trying to understand their perspective. So instead of why did you do this, which is a you statement, we say, make an I statement. I'm really concerned that you didn't come home for three hours last night. I was so upset. I was frantic with worry. Tell me, how did that come about? What was going on that you didn't make it home for three hours? And we're doing that in a way that we really want to know. And we want the child to feel reasonably comfortable in telling us the truth or as much of the truth that they're willing to share. This is really uh, touching and like a nerve for for many uh, of the listeners who've been wanting to have those type of conversations with their teen, with their kid. And they just didn't have enough of the verbiage or enough of the of the ways to not go into these conversations without like fighting and getting upset and showing anger and it's really powerful to have someone to actually help you with how to explain it how would be the dynamic will be what would should you do in this case in that case how long is the process for someone to implement this type of things this this positive reinforcement system how long does it take you and the, and the family on average to to start seeing any type of results oftentimes you can see positive results after just one coaching session and with good life coaching we've got goals we're working on goals we encourage our clients to pursue certain learning or activities exercises practicing things in between our coaching sessions because the learning happens outside of coaching as well So we can see some beneficial results after even just one session. 
when I explain to a parent, okay, here's another way that you can do it. There's a, an approach called PIAS, positive I statements, understanding, shared responsibility. We can teach that to our parents in one hour session. The parent can then start practicing that and having conversations like that with the child. And by positive, we mean give your child some praise. Honey, I was really pleased with what you, I see that you've been making more of an effort to do your chores around the house. And that's terrific. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Then we follow that. That's the positive. I for I statements. I am real concerned about some of your late hours and I'm fearful. I don't know what's going on. I feel really worried about that. Now for the you, we demonstrate understanding. I know it's not easy to be a 16-year-old in 2023. There are a lot of challenges out there. You're trying to cooperate with our rules, yet you're trying to test the limits. You're trying to gain independence. And yes, shared responsibility. I want you to feel like I'm on your side, that I am a resource for you, that I am someone that you can turn to, that I will give you a positive start in life. So it's a sense of shared responsibility. It's You don't have to be in this all alone. I can help you with it as well. We're a team, the two of us. So we share that. You're the one who's living your life. And I am I'm your guide. I'm a, It's a parent as a coach, basically. So with positive reinforcements, starting with something that will bring you together, and then doing I statements, which are not criticizing, right? It's not... I hate it that you do, because then it's a you statement again. That's Uh, a good catch. Yeah, that's important. And then going into understanding, trying to actually understand what, like being curious about the situation and not just decide in advance what happened. And then showing shared responsibility, all of this creates a more amicable relationship. So... What we actually all want for our kids is that they will actually not be addicted and not use substance that is bad for them and that they will overcome addiction or get help to overcome addiction. So some cases are more complicated than others. What would you say is uh, some of the more complicated cases? How long do you estimate a parent would see results when working with getting help and working and being coached and getting trying to to get their kids to actually recover there are some situations you can gain a lot of traction in a a very short period of time by learning some of these concepts as you said uh, positivity i statements understanding shared responsibility other situations are a little more complicated when you have improved your relationship with your child to the point where if they need treatment for an assessment for a medical condition like addiction, like depression, like anxiety, that they will be willing to go to that doctor, that social worker, psychologist, whatever, then you can get that kind of medical evaluation done. And then sometimes the options, the treatment can take several months. It can take perhaps a few years Yet you're on a positive course, and though it may take some time, so it might take several years for some people to gain health and recovery and to become successful in their lives, successful in launching their independence, 
you want to have hope and you want to have some sense of confidence that you and your loved one, your child are on the right path, that they've got a good therapist, that they are learning, that they are gaining, that they are responding to the treatment and maybe they need a medication change then, but they're willing to work with that. And you see gradual progress over time. So with situations where there's a serious substance use disorder, it can take months or even years, yet you do have positive developments during that time as well. So it doesn't necessarily need to be like a resident, one residential treatment after another with each one not really seeming to show any benefit. It can be different. You can find benefit if you're going to quality programs in doing everything possible because we know that treatment works. There are millions of people who are in recovery from substance use disorder. So we know that that treatment works. And giving people a sense of hope that maybe they can get better, even that teenage child, giving them some self-confidence, building their self-esteem, that gives them tools that they can do the, if it's hard work that's going to take a long time, it helps sustain them as they go through that process. We have an expression in my practice, which is that we never give up on our kids. We never give up on our kids, no matter how bleak it seems, no matter how hard it is to reach out and connect with them. We will never give up, no no matter what happens. And communicating that to our child can be just so powerful. I'm going to be here for you. And it's okay if you're having a rough day. It's okay if you feel like you've made a mistake. It's okay if you're, I don't know, have some negative thoughts about me. That's, I'm here for you, no matter what. Wow. So empowering and so important to remind ourselves. Quick uh, final question, because we're running out of time and they want to let people know how they can find you. So last question, what's your point of view about drug tests? Oh, drug testing. I'm not a fan. (laughs) But then again, I mean, everything can have its place. So I think if you've got a child and you have reason to believe that they are under the influence, that they are just unwell, and your medical, their pediatrician, their medical professional may have the same kind of idea as well. I think in certain kinds of situations where it's potentially dangerous, I think drug testing is a good thing to do. For example, if somebody overdoses on a substance, they go to an emergency room, they get a drug test. That's a very positive thing because we want to know what their medical condition is, what substances they have in their body. So that's an important tool. Now, then there are other types of drug tests which don't, for different kinds of situations, if it's not a life-threatening situation or if it's not a real serious situation, to be involved in ongoing drug testing with your child, it sets up a, a system of, for the child, it feels like you don't trust them. And so it's accentuating it. It's a a negative type of attempt to reinforce that we're daring you not to use and have a negative test. And that negative reinforcement, what we find is that it generally does not work. So for a parent who is asking about drug tests, I would say, well, tell me what your concerns are. And let's look at the pros and the cons of doing a drug test or not doing it. There certainly can be a place for it. And if someone's health is in danger, that's important to do with the guidance of your medical provider. But for ongoing kind of drug testing that the parent would do, 
you may find that it causes more negatives than anything that you have to gain because then the child doesn't it feel they feel like you don't trust them this shows us again how complicated the the yes. topic is and how important it is to get help and get a professional to to find the solution with you that fits your needs and that actually makes sense to your family in, in your situation of your team. Uh, Patrick Doyle, this has been enlightening. Where can people go to and learn more about what you do and about these type of approaches? I can be reached at familyaddictioncoach.com. I've got a lot of useful guidance information on the website. I've also created a podcast. There's one episode in particular where I am interviewed with my son. My son has a serious substance use disorder. And so I'm interviewed as the father, not as the expert. And my son is there as my son. And it's real interesting to hear the two of us interact and be interviewed by another person. So there's a lot of good information there. And I would also encourage parents They can reach out to me by phone. My phone number is on my website, by email. I've enhanced and updated the messaging on my website to make it clear what my services can do for people and what their lives will be like if they choose to try my services. And just keep reaching out. As a parent, try not to isolate. Try to get support for yourself. You have a right to a quality of life and you need a quality of life to be most helpful to your child if they're struggling with an addiction. Patrick, thank you so much. I, I invite everyone to check out your website and your podcast and how important it is to hear different approaches. It's not always that the rehab center is the right solution. The police is not the right solution. It's, it's like it could be, but it's not the same solution that will necessarily be right for you. And uh, we'll put in the show notes of on teendragabuse.co, we'll put all the links and, and the details of uh, Patrick's uh, email. So if you're driving right now, you could check the show notes later. Uh, thank you again, Patrick, for all that you do. Thank you so much, Ziv. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Teen Drug Abuse Podcast. To get additional resources and support, go to teendrugabuse.co.